I just wonder how many times you and I, in this self-centered world, in this me-oriented society, I wonder how many times God can use us to make a difference in somebody's life. And I really believe the challenge is the challenge is really understanding this. And I think sometimes we don't understand what the Bible says. But before um, uh, we get a little bit into a, a deeper uh, scriptures about generosity, what the Bible actually says, because I want you to see what the Bible says, not what I have to say. I want to talk to you guys right after this about a very, very uh, stingy man in the Bible, a very, very grumpy man, a man that was hated, a thug, and something happened to him. His heart was so warmed by something that he became one of the most generous people in the Bible. Yeah, started out really grumpy, started out really angry, Started out really mean, started out really skeptical with their hands folded, just like this. Arms folded, excuse me. Anybody got their arms folded in here today? <laughs> I can't see because the lights are my so, but I can pretend like I can see. <laughs> okay, but so he went from just fist closed to open-handed because something special happened to him. And I just believe that something special is going to happen to us in here today. Do you believe that today? Come on. Before we get into let me show you what the Bible says really quick. Three scriptures before we get into it. So look at Proverbs 21, 26 says, it says, some people are always greedy for more, but the godly love to give. Come on, somebody shout that out loud. The godly love to give. Come on, say it. The godly love to give. All right. What does that mean? We, when you're generous, you love to look for opportunities to give. That's why when we were doing these gas re- uh, outreaches, all summer long, all summer long, we're going to tell you about this next week, but we touched about 1,800 people with gas outreaches all summer long. It was amazing. Have people pull up, give away free gas, give, giving them a $5 gas card, and they're just like, what is this all about? This is on us, Revolution Church. The first five is on us. We just want to be generous. You know why? Generous people love to give. Any generous people in the house here today? We love to give. You know, not only, it was so, I cannot tell you how many times at those gas stations we would be there giving gas and, and we would give that first five and then we saw a family that was in need for more than just five and the Holy Spirit would prompt us and we would say, you know something, I'll never forget. Dan came up to me the very first time. He said, hey, this family, I could just tell they are in need, man. I think we need to fill up the entire tank. And we said, okay, let's just do it, man. We filled it up and we sent them on their way with generosity. Come on, somebody. It's awesome. And when you get a chance to do this, when you get a chance to, to be generous like this, it makes such a big difference. Listen, we sat there when we prayed for that family and we sent them out. It was like this euphoric feeling came upon us. It was absolutely amazing. In fact, I want to challenge you guys in this. And I forgot to say this. In that study that Notre Dame did, they found out that neurochemicals are exchanged in your brain when you're generous, when you live in generosity. And those neurochemicals that get exchanged in your brain, they affect your life in the area of pleasure. That Those neurochemicals add pleasure. It's the pleasure center of your brain. So when you're generous, pleasure center. When you're generous, pleasure center. That's the reason why generous people are happy. Come on. Is there anybody in this room that wants to be a little more happy. Come on, help me out, somebody. All right, so generous people love to give. That's what the Word of God says. All right, the next thing I want you to see is number two, generous people are blessed.
blessed. Look at Proverbs eleven twenty five. Look what this says. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Isn't that amazing? When you refresh somebody else, you are refreshed. When you help somebody else, you are helped. When you are generous to somebody else, you are helped. Are you guys seeing this here today? Okay. Very, very interesting stuff. The, the, pro, the word prosper means to be pushed forward. Isn't this amazing? When you're generous, you're pushing yourself forward. This is what the Word of God says. Are you guys with me today? All right. When you're generous this way, you somehow push yourself forward. I don't understand how it works, but it just does. All right. Number three, God rewards generosity. Look what Proverbs 19:17 says. This is all out of the Word of God. If you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord, and he will repay you. Listen, I'm t- this is what the Bible says. When you help somebody, when you're generous with somebody, that's one of the reasons why I really believe when you work in children's ministry, when you serve back there and you're helping kids, kids can't repay you, therefore God repays. People who serve in children's ministry oftentimes are some of the most blessed people on the earth. I understand. How how does holding a crying baby or being with, with an infant that's pooping all over you, how does that, how does that re- result to being? Well, I don't understand it, but the Bible says right here, God is the one who repays. And how many know you'd rather have God pay you than anybody else? All right, so God rewards generosity. All right, so I gave you three solid scriptures on generosity and how generosity is more for us than it is about anything else. It helps us more than anyone else. It helps us more than anything else, okay? And I just want to encourage you as you begin thinking about this topic, especially going into the holidays, especially going into being with maybe with family members. Hey, I'm a pastor, and I understand. You might be with some people you may not like over the holidays, people that you maybe would like to avoid, but you know you can't, Okay? What, what if we just took a change of course this year and we said, you know what, I'm just going to be generous. I'm going to find something nice to say. Remember that old saying that our parents used to say, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. Remember that? What if we just find something nice anyways? What if we just found a way to be emotionally generous to somebody? I'm telling you, it'll make a big difference in your life. All right, so I want to talk to you about this guy who had this amazing heart transformation And I wanted to give you the word of God so you could see for yourself in the scripture what the Bible says about generosity. And that maybe, maybe we could be challenged, maybe we could be stirred up, maybe we could uh, understand and get the heart of God in terms of being more generous with our time, with our talent, and with our treasure. Maybe God can challenge us here today. Because if he he could touch a grumpy person, if he could touch this mean person, if you could touch somebody who is just an evil person, and, and, and they would go from one end of the spectrum to the other end of the spectrum, I, I just think that that would be worth learning about, right? What happened to this individual? What was the heart transformation that took place in his life? So I want you to get an image of a thug, somebody that's mean, somebody that uh, is uh, a conniver, somebody that uh, uh, is somebody that practices preying on people, taking advantage of people, hurting people intentionally. I want you to get a picture of somebody like that, okay? And please, it, may not, it should not be somebody in your family. Come on, all right? Get that image out of your head. But this is the closest image that I could come up with that might relate here. 
Who is this right here? The Grinch, yeah. Mean, right? A conniver, somebody that uh, is always looking to cause trouble, create trouble. And in the Bible, there was a guy that was just like this. And there was a guy who was a conniver, always looking for opportunities to advance himself, always looking for opportunities to prosper at the expense of poor people and, and so forth. A guy who, who was extravagantly wealthy, a man who was extravagantly notorious of hurting people, okay, who had a reputation of being just flat out evil. Let me just say this because I, I can't be accused of, of saying that I'm calling you a Grinch. Come on. I am not saying that you or anybody in this room is a Grinch, all right? But what I am saying is this. All of us go through seasons when we are Grinchy. Come on, somebody. We all go through seasons when we feel like we got to bring it in. And when we feel like I'm being taken advantage of and I can't even think about being generous. I'm being hurt. I'm being abused. I can't even think about generosity. I'm hurting so bad. How can I stop and, and be emotionally generous with somebody else? I think all of us have been in seasons like this, okay? And so I think that's what this is about. But this man in the Bible, his name is Zacchaeus. He was a tax collector, a notorious, hated tax collector. And here's this man, Zacchaeus. He is, he's known, he's got this reputation in the entire Jewish community as somebody who's a Grinch, somebody who takes advantage of people, somebody who steals. And the way the tax system worked back in that day, it was like this. The Romans were in charge. And the Romans had certain quotas that they wanted to collect for their taxes, okay? And so then they would hire Jewish people to collect the taxes from the Jewish people and send it to the Roman government. That's how it worked. And here's a deal they made with the Jewish tax collectors. Here's what they said. They said, listen, you can do this job, and here's what your compensation is going to be. Listen, it's going to be anything you want on top of what you collect for us. We're only interested in getting our quota, but anything you collect on top of that, you get to keep. That was the deal they made. And so the tax collectors in that day were hated because of how extravagant they were and the extra that they took from people, especially little old ladies and people that couldn't afford it. And if they didn't pay, they were thrown in jail or they were, they were hurt or they were abused, they were arrested. Are you guys getting the picture? He didn't care. He was such a Grinch, he could care less. The only thing he cared about was making himself more wealthy. Are you guys with me? He was hated. People hated this man in society. And, you can, and, and you know, they didn't have social media, they didn't have television, but whenever Zacchaeus walked through the city, they knew he was coming. He was the only guy that was blinged out. Come on, are you with me? That's Zacchaeus, there he is. And that's probably my taxes that he's wearing around his neck. That's the, I probably paid for that robe. I probably paid for that chariot he's in, right? Are you guys getting the picture here? Hated. Everywhere he went, this man was hated. He had no friends. And if he had friends, who were his friends? Other thugs like him. Are you getting the picture? So, so here was a collection of thugs, a collection of hated people. All right, now I want, you, I want you to see this in the Bible. This is an amazing story, okay? All right, so let's look at Luke chapter 19. Again, 
what happened to this man? Something happens to this man, and I want you to see this, all right? All right, Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. Notice what it says, Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. Somebody shout Zacchaeus, all right? Just so I know you're listening. Come on, somebody say Zacchaeus. Come on. There was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Some translation says he was very, very rich, all right? And he's, now you already know how he got rich, okay? All right, he sought to see who Jesus was, all right? So Zacchaeus, this thug, he's hearing about this, this man of God that's shaking up the countryside. He's hearing about this man of God that, that religious people are really upset at, okay? I have a question for you. Do you think religious people were upset at this guy? Sure they were. So, so he's saying, okay, religious people hate me, and these religious people hate Jesus too, Maybe I have something in common with him, all right? So this is his motivation, all right? And so, so he says, but he could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. He was a short man. So he ran ahead, and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass by that way. Jesus was going to walk by this certain way, and he knew he was going to get a bird's eye shot of who Jesus was, and he wanted to see who this guy was that the religious people hated, because he wanted to maybe see, oh, maybe they hate him as much as they hate me, all right? And when Jesus came to the place... This is amazing. He looked up and saw him and said, Zacchaeus, make haste. Come down, for today I must stay at your house. Hey, I'm coming to your house, Zacchaeus. Thug, thief, one who steals from people every single day. I'm coming to your house. Come on. Are you guys getting this? All right, hey, Zacchaeus made haste, come down for today. I'm going to stay at your house. So, so he made haste, came down, and he received Jesus joyfully. <laughs> oh, this is amazing. Why is this not hitting you like it hit me, man? He hit, he comes down to his tree. He's blinged. He's got his expensive robes, gold teeth probably, whatever, you know. And he's, hey, I'm going to stay at Jesus' house today. I'm going with Jesus. Can you imagine what was going on in Zacchaeus' mind? Now, watch this. But when they saw it, verse 7, they all complained. Now, this is talking about the religious folks and then the onlookers and people on the sideline. They all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Jesus, this man who raises the dead, he's already had a reputation for healing people. This man who teaches amazing things on the hillside, stuff that we've never heard before. This man who walks in all of this favor, and, and he's, he's got a touch of God on his life. This man, and this is what the religious people, and, and this is so amazing, that Jesus said, today, I'm going there. I wonder. I wonder what he was doing. I wonder what was on his mind when he was doing this. You know what this tells me? Kind of a little side note right here. Jesus is not afraid of notorious people. He is not afraid of people who are thugs. He's not afraid of people who are perceived evil. He's not afraid of people who are vicious or who are mean. 
grumpy. He's not grinchy. Uh Uh-uh. To the contrary, he goes right to him. Are you guys seeing this here today? And here's the question I have for you today. If Jesus would take the time to do this with a mean, grumpy, grouchy, thief, thug, how much more so would he do it for us that love him? Come on, how much more? I don't, that's the reason why generosity is more for us than it is about anything else. Because if Jesus would note this man, how much more so is Jesus noting us, child of God, somebody that calls themselves a Christian. Any, any believers in here today? Come on. Do you know how loved you are by him? Do you know how much he cares about you? And I love to say this. If, 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 if you care about something, then he cares about something. Did you guys get that? If you care about something, he cares about something. And Jesus took the time to go to this notorious thug's house. And I bet he was just as shocked. I bet Zacchaeus was just as shocked as anybody else. Why would this man of God, this holy man of God, this man who, uh, who would, you know, who has this reputation for raising the dead, healing people, loving people, right? Why would he want to come to my house? All right. So here's what I want you to see. Verse 7, all right? Again, when they saw it, they complained, saying, he was gone to the guest with a man who is a sinner. All right? So verse 8 is what I want you to see. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. How many of you can see a transformation takes place here? He stands up on his own. Lord, I give half my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. Now, every time I say this, I can always feel this in the room. Is that pastor going to stand up and tell me to give half of my stuff away? Yes, of course I am. No, I'm not. You need to just lighten up a little bit in here, okay? Lighten up. I want you to see a transformation, how Grinch becomes the opposite side over here. And so... What happens here? Watch this. Again, Lord, I give half my goods to the poor, and I've taken anything from him by false accusation. I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, notice this, today salvation has come to this house because he, he is also a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. This is this, this Jewish man who was robbing people living a notorious life, suddenly has a heart change. And in his heart change, he starts to turn loose of things that are holding him, binding him. So I asked myself this question, what happened? What happened between verse 7 and verse 8? What, something happens, right? There's, and I think, I think a whole dinner happens. Remember, Jesus goes to his house for dinner. So at dinner, something happens. And here's what I want you just to relax, and I want you to hear this out, okay? Because we don't know what happened, because the Bible doesn't say what happened, but we can kind of tell what happened, because we already know Jesus had dinner over there, right? And we already know that anywhere Jesus went, he had a mission. We already know that anytime Jesus went someplace, he wasn't going someplace 
to be a sinner, he was going someplace because he loved sinners. Come on, somebody. He was going someplace because he had a mission. He was going someplace because he had an idea. He had an understanding. He was going to pull this guy out of his muck and mire. And it wasn't going to be religion that was going to pull him out of it. Because religion didn't work up at that point. It was going to take something altogether different. Maybe it was discovering God's unchanging love that pulled him out of his mess. Maybe some of the things that Jesus talked about. We already know this because some of the concepts that Jesus spoke about on the hillside which got him in trouble all the time, especially with religious folks, because Jesus was always talking about serving God. The Father, the Father loves you. And the religious people never saw God as Father. They saw God as the judge. They saw God as the author of this, this cruel, sacrificial system. Cruel, a system that's filled with rules and regulations, do's and don'ts. And here's Jesus. He starts showing them, I want you to serve God as Father. Father, come on. How many of this is attractive? How many of you were Zacchaeus and you were sitting at a table and Jesus was talking like this? How many of that would open you up and you'd say, I want to hear a little bit more? Ah, maybe, maybe Jesus was talking about seeking first the kingdom of heaven. Maybe he was saying to Zacchaeus and to the group that was there, the notorious people that were there, maybe he was saying to them, listen, I know you've heard dog eat dog. I know you're stepping other people. I know maybe you've heard that you got to get ahead at all costs. But what about if I offer you an alternative that you can get further ahead by simply saying, I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these other things will be added unto you. How many of that would be good news? Come on. How many, of you know, how many of you know, maybe he was sitting there and he was saying, you know, I know everybody condemns you guys for your practice. I know. But what if, I'm, what if I'm here today to tell you, I'm not condemning you for what you've done. I'm going to love you through what you've done. Come on, somebody. What if he, what if he said, I'm going to love you through what you've done. I'm going to love you through what you're doing. What if, what if that's what he said at dinner? Wouldn't you be interested in knowing more? Wouldn't you be interested in, my goodness, this is different. I haven't heard this before. He's not condemning me. He's not judging me. Come on, somebody. He's not calling me out and telling me that, that I'm the worst thing I'm worse than the worst than the worst of every kind of human being that lives on this earth. He's not saying that. I've been called every name in the book. I have, been, I have been shunned by society. I have been shunned by religion. I have been shunned by anybody that matters. And here's Jesus, and he's telling me he loves me. Here's Jesus, he's telling me I don't condemn you. Here's Jesus, he's telling me seek the Father. How many of you know that is really, really good news right there, huh? Wow. That's what happened at dinner. What if Zacchaeus was hearing things like, hey, guys, I know that it's been really hard to serve God under the system of law and regulation and do's and don'ts. But you guys, listen, if you trust me, if you trust me, a day is coming when you're not going to have to serve God that way. A day is coming, listen, I promise you it's coming, that there's coming a day when your sin and your lawless deeds, God's not going to hold against you any longer. Oh, there's coming a day when you don't have to go to the temple because you felt like you sinned. 
You don't have to go to the temple and offer that sacrifice because you feel like maybe you got some kind of bitterness in your heart or, you, or, or maybe you stole from someone. The day is coming when God is going to forgive you freely and you don't have to go through all that because the day is coming that sin and lawless deeds, he's not going to hold you hold against you any longer. How many know that would be some really, really good news? Huh? How many know maybe he was telling him, hey, the day is coming. I know the law and all of these regulations, they're written on stone and in this, 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 this Moses Ten Commandments kind of thing and, and you heard how the stones hit the ground and open up and people died and all swallowed. What about if a day was coming? On that day when Moses gave the Ten Commandments, 3,000 people died. Everybody knew it. What if I told you a day was coming that when the Holy Spirit hits the earth, 3,000 people are going to get saved and 3,000 people are going to come to life. 3,000 folks are going to get to know God's unchanging love. What if I told you that was on its way? How many of that make a big difference? Oh, this is why we do what we do. Why Revolution Church? It is to help people discover this God. God's unchanging love. One that makes it easy to serve God, not hard. One that makes it easy to pursue him. Listen to this. One that makes it easy to say, man, I, I want to be generous because I understand this kind of generosity. Are you with me? Jesus is not up here like this. Jesus is over here. Come on, saying, I am for you. I am not against you. I'm here to bless you. I'm here to help you. I'm here to help make something with your life. How many see this kind of Jesus in this passage here? I believe that's what happened between verse 7 and verse 8, I believe Zacchaeus sat there looking face to face with the goodness of God. Looking face to face with love. Looking face to face with true, no strings attached love. Oh, how many of you know that's so attractive? How many know we could all use a little bit more of that, right? How many know we could all use to be a little bit of that? Come on. Man, this is what happened to Zacchaeus. And when he faced that, when he saw that, I personally don't believe Jesus told him to give anything away. I personally don't believe that. I personally believe Jesus simply loved him. Jesus simply loved him through his sin Loved him through his failure, loved him through all of his loss and all of all that junk that he probably had stored up inside of him, all his perceptions about God, that Jesus just loved him. And in that environment, he became free. I got to wonder, I got to wonder, maybe, does that relate to some of us in this room? See, I already said it once. And I don't think any, honestly, because this is an amazing group of people, I honestly don't believe anybody in this room is a Zacchaeus. I don't believe that at all. But here's what I do believe. I believe that all of us can experience a Zacchaeus season. I believe we can all experience a time in our life when we're hurt, misunderstood, feeling like nothing's working in our life, feeling like there's more going out than coming in, feeling like, you know, I don't have time to do anything. I'm, I'm working all the time. And, and I'm drained emotionally. Stuff's happening all around me. I'm not in a season of rest. I'm not in a, a season of blessing. And, and, and so what happens when you get in situations like that, you clam up. You hear stuff about generosity. And you think about, I cannot even think for a second 
of giving my time away anywhere because I am just drained and I'm hurting. And especially I'm hurt because maybe there were some people that I trusted. There were some people that took advantage of me. And and I'm going to tell you something. Here's where I want to bring something home here today, okay? And and are you guys getting anything out of this here today? I want to bring this home here today because I think all of us can be in a season of Zacchaeus or maybe coming out of a season of Zacchaeus or going into a season of Zacchaeus where we're so clamped up we can't even see clear. We can't even think about being generous with our time or talent or treasure, okay? And, and, and so when Jeannie and I were talking about this message and we talked about this series, we felt this, and I felt very strong. And here's why I just I want you to hear my heart. We did not plant this church to preach a bunch of cute messages. We planted this church to help people live an amazing life in Jesus Christ. We planted this church to help people find this Jesus, and we planted this church to have a group of people who are excited about helping people find this Jesus. Do I have any group of people like that in this room? That's why we planted this church. And I keep saying this over and over and over. If you think this church is about Dino, or you think this church is about Jeannie, then we're wrong. This church has to be about Jesus. Come on. And lifting him up because I firmly believe that if we can present Jesus the way he presented himself to Zacchaeus. Do you know how many thugs might find their way in this door completely transformed and wanting to live their life for the gospel of Jesus Christ? That is why we are doing what we're doing. Are you with me here today? And I'm looking for some people who want to jump on this train. Any takers in the house here today, all right? That's what we're looking for. As we grow, as God sends people We want them to come and discover this. But you can be in a season of Zacchaeus. You can be in a season of hurt. You can be in a season where you felt like you were misunderstood and where you couldn't trust anyone around you. People that you laid your life down for, suddenly you know you can't trust them. And Jeannie and I went through a season like that. And we found ourselves in in a a crushing environment where everything was kind of closing in around us. Our lifestyle was changing and people that, that we thought were friends and people that we thought that, 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 that uh, had our best interest in mind, they didn't. And so we found ourselves hurt. We found ourselves closing in. I found myself not wanting to be generous with, with my emotional generosity. I found myself not wanting to be generous with finances. I couldn't. It was closing in on me. I was having to restructure the way we lived our life because of the life change that was happening to us. It was one of the worst moments of our life, but one of the best. Come on, somebody. When you're in a season like that, I want to pro- I promise you, look for the best. Look for the opportunity because it drove me to Jesus. It drove me to this Jesus that I'm talking about, you guys. It drove me to sit at the foot, the feet of a Jesus who kept saying to me, I'm not holding failure against you. I'm not holding your mistakes against you. Guess what, Dino? I'm not holding their failure and their mistakes against you either. You need to free them. Listen, 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 listen. Nugget. I wasn't planning on saying this, but I just feel like I have to say this. The scripture says, our sin and lawless deeds, he would remember no more. How many of you love that, right? That applies to us. And I had the Lord challenge me. He said, if I'm not remembering your sin and lawless deeds, why are you remembering the sin and lawless deeds of others? I had to let go. 
I had to turn loose of that. I was in a season of Zacchaeus. I had become a thug without even realizing it. I had become grouchy, grumpy, preoccupied with self more than Jesus, preoccupied with my circumstance, preoccupied with my situation. I had always enjoyed a really healthy life, a really healthy lifestyle, always. But now I'm Zacchaeus. I'm locked in. I'm a thug. I felt like it, I promise you. I poured myself into this. And Jesus started to reveal himself to me. All the things that we're teaching through Revolution Church and discovering God's unchanging love, I realized God's love for me was the same, whether I felt like a thug or I didn't feel like a thug. God's love for Zacchaeus, that notorious thug, was the same. Oh, are you guys getting this? Aren't you guys glad his love doesn't change? We change, but his love never changes. And so I found myself allowing Jesus to reveal himself to me, reveal his goodness to me, that despite the situation that was going on all around me, being surrounded by people that I didn't think I could trust anymore, Jesus started to reveal himself. He started to heal my heart. I'll never forget this. And I want to challenge you guys. How many want to see 2020 be a different year than 2019? Come on. How many of you, this is what I want to do. I want to challenge you guys. I want to challenge, I want to put a vision before you that if you want 2020 to be a stronger year for it, begin thinking right now. And I'm going to challenge you here in a second, okay? So God challenged Jeannie and I in this season. And this is what I'm trying to tell you. I'm not here to teach little cute sermons. I want to teach principles that will help you grow in the kingdom of God. And help you be all that God's called you to be. I think I'm talking to some people who want that in this room, huh? Okay, so maybe, yeah? Okay, cool. All right, just, just check it. So um, God challenged Jeannie and I to sow a financial seed in 2013. In the middle of all that, in the middle of the revelation that God was beginning to show us, he challenged us to sow a significant financial seed, to be generous. I didn't feel like being generous but I knew Jesus was speaking to me. I knew my heart was being warmed up by his intense love for me. I knew that he was saying, despite all this crazy, I still have a plan for your life. Aren't you guys glad that God has a plan for your life? Hey, do me a favor. I need to do this. Turn to the person next to you. Come on, tell them, God has a plan for your life. Come on, tell them, tell them, tell them, tell them. God has a plan for you. It's important you know that. You got to know that here today. God has a plan for your life, okay? Man, that just changed my life. So Jeannie and I had to sow seed. And that was back in 2013. And I, I, as we talked about this, and as we, th- as we look back, we really believe that that seed that we sowed was the thing that catapulted us into the thing that we're doing right now. We planted this church not because we need to get something out of the church. We planted this church because we believe God said, would you plant this church? And would you go to Troy? Would you have a church where you could talk about my unchanging love? Would you have a church where people could come in that they wouldn't feel judged? Would you have a church where people could come in where they could touch my unfailing love, where they could touch how much I care about them? Would you have a church where people could shed the veil of religious thinking and religious ways of doing and traditional ways of doing things and coming into an environment where my love can reach them, where my love can help peel away those things that are holding them back. Listen, where my love 
can help peel back selfishness, where my love can help peel back self-centeredness, where my love can help peel back addictions, where my love can help peel back destructive behavior. Listen, what we think is sin is really bad behavior. Jesus didn't come to save us from a bad behavior. He came to save us from going to hell. Come on, somebody. He came to save us from the sin of Adam and Eve and that sin that came to all mankind. Jesus came and paid for that sin 2,000 years ago. I have great news for you. The sin problem is settled. Are you with me? Jesus is not looking at sin again because it was dealt with at the cross 2,000 years ago. What we think is sin is really bad behavior. Yes, I get it. A lot of us have bad behavior. Some of you had bad behavior driving to church here this morning. Some of you have bad behavior when the preacher says smile and you won't smile. That's bad behavior. Come on. <laughs> Just joking. It's bad behavior. And I'm here to tell, you, to tell you that knowing God's love is the thing that will fix all bad behavior, guys. It strips us. It strips us of all Anything that's destructive. I told you that story about a guy who got freed of alcoholism. I needed to say it again. He tried everything. For 19 years, tried to get free of alcohol. Just he was, he was an alcoholic, closet alcoholic, could not get free. Everything possible until he heard somebody say, hey, listen, every time you take a drink, say this out loud. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That simple? Yes, that simple. God's unchanging love? Yes, that simple. Get to know God's unchanging love? Yes, that simple. Every time he took a drink, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Every time he took a drink, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Every time he took a drink, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. After a couple weeks of doing that, he noticed the thrill and the pull of alcohol started to leave him, and today he is completely free of an addiction he couldn't get free of for 18 years on his own. Are you hearing me? I wonder if that's who Zacchaeus met that day. I wonder if that's who needs to be made alive in our life. Come on, Susan and, and Sean, come on up here. I want to close this up. I want to encourage you guys. What do you want your 2020 to look like? I want to encourage you with two things here today. Allow this Jesus to strike your heart like it struck mine. Look past the veil of religion. Look past the veil of tradition. Look past the veil of anything you see here, me, anyone of our team. Look past the veil of maybe what you perceive as God. See this Jesus who's very real. See the Jesus that transformed a thug. Can I tell you something about this? This guy, Zacchaeus, is absolutely amazing. I, I wanted to do a little study because when I see something in the Bible, I like to prove it out. And I wanted to know if this was just a photo op that Zacchaeus had with Jesus or did, did he really change? So I had to do a little digging and I did some, some digging and some historical documents and, uh, and with some famous uh, uh, historians and some famous people that wrote some, some commentaries about the Bible. And here's what they said. Zacchaeus actually was true to his word. He not only did what he said he was going to do, but listen, 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 listen. He left his lifestyle of being a tax collector, and he went on to become a pastor. <laughs> Isn't this awesome? Not only did he become a pastor, he became a pastor's pastor. He became a bishop, as the historian said. So he led pastors. Here's what he did. 
he used the resources that he had left over to build the gospel of Jesus Christ, to tell others about this Jesus that we're talking about. Are you with me? He uses resources to help people to discover God's unchanging love. What do you want your 2020 to look like? On December 8th, we're going to take a special offering an offering that we want you to sow into your 2020. I want you to start talking to the Lord about it now. What do you want your 2020 to look like? In 2013, we didn't know that 2019 was going to look like this. But can I just tell you something? 2013, it was bleak, it was scary, and God was speaking to us. But I got to tell you something. In 2019, God has done above and beyond all I can ever ask or think. And now the Lord is challenging me to dream even bigger. Do you want to dream bigger in 2020, somebody? Come on. Do you want to dream bigger? Do you want to see God do some amazing things in your life? Do you want to see God just open doors? Do you want to see God just blow the lid off of things in your life? I'm telling you, it's going to start now. And I want to challenge you guys that on Sunday morning, December 8th, we're going to take a special year-end giving. We want to start doing this. And you take a seed and you sow it to your future. Watch what God does. I tell you, I would be remorse if I don't stand here and help share these principles with you because these principles have changed our life. Again, I'm not interested in preaching and teaching little cute sermons. I want to help you be all that God has called you to be. I do. Wouldn't it be amazing to have a church full of people that are just fanned out throughout this community, being generous, doing so many wonderful things that it's hard to even comprehend. I believe that's what God has called us to do. Can you buy into that with us? Next week, we're going to talk about all the things that we've done. We're going to talk about the things that we have planned for next year, 21 Days of Prayer, the outreaches, the missions trips. It's going to be awesome. You don't want to miss next week. It's going to be awesome. We're going to talk next week on how important it is that when you start living this way, When you start understanding generosity, what it does for you, listen, listen, the expectation of good starts rising on the inside of you. Listen, how many of you know we could all go from seeing the glass half full more than half empty? Come on. And when you start seeing the glass half full and you start seeing this expectation of good, I'm telling you, listen to the amazing principle. I wasn't planning on saying this, but when you start living your life with the expectation of good happening to you, good things start happening to you all the way around. Come on. And when you live your life with the expectation of bad things happening, bad things happen. What do you say? We be propagators of the good news of Jesus. Come on. And we help people live in this expectation of good. I want to close this message today. You have been great hearers. You have been amazing, I could tell. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for hearing the heart of this pastor to want to help you go into some higher places in the Lord. Zacchaeus had to make a decision that day. He had to make a decision when he was talking to Jesus and letting Jesus speak to him and to the people that were in his house. He had to consent to allow Jesus to love him. Hear me out. See, it's not enough to hear, oh, God loves us. It's not enough to hear, oh, I'm discovering God's unchanging love. It's not enough. It's great. It's a great starting place. 
But the next step is to say, all right, this is real. I'm going to consent to allow the Lord to love me this way. Yeah, yeah, that's a game changer. Because we like to hold things back. And we really think that if we fully consent to allow the Lord to love us and to lead us, that somehow he's going to take something away from us or somehow it's going to cost us something. Somehow my life's not going to be as much fun. Somehow my life's not going to be as much as exciting. I promise you, I believed that lie for too long. It was such a lie. <laughs> I held on to that lie and Satan held me bound by that lie for so long until I finally let go and said, Jesus, I need to consent to let you love me. I need to consent to let you into my life all the way, all the way. And I promise you, I stand before you today. I never thought I could be happily married for 20 years. I never thought that I would stand on a platform like this, planning a church like this. I never thought that in my, in my wildest, I never thought that I could live the kind of life that I'm living right now. Never, never thought, ever. But as I think about all the wonderful blessings and all the wonderful things that God's done for me, I realize it started because I had to consent to let Jesus love me. And with every head bowed and every eye closed in this room, I am challenging you in this room to allow Jesus to love you. Allow Jesus to love you. Allow Jesus to love you. Allow him to warm your heart Allow him to let you dream again. Allow him to let him speak to your heart about your future, your purpose, your destiny. And maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor Dino, I don't know Jesus this way. I don't know Jesus in the way that Zacchaeus found that day. I don't know Jesus in the way that you found him. And I'm glad. If, you, if that's you, you're in the right place at the right time. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, Pastor Dino, that's me. I really want to know Jesus this way. I'm really afraid that when I leave this earth that I don't know where I'm going to end up. I don't know where my eternal destination is going to be. I question it, and I want that to be secure. If you're here today, I want to agree with you. I don't want to embarrass you. I just want you to know this is a very special moment just between you and God. You say you're here today, I'm, I'm away from God. I'm far away from God. I, I, I haven't, I've not been walking with him the way that I know I need to walk with him. And you're being stirred up and something inside you is saying, man, I, I got to know this Jesus this way. For any one of those two invitations that I gave with every head bowed and every eye closed, my eyes are closed too. I just feel like this is such a holy moment right here. If you're here today and you say, that's me, for any one of those two reasons, I want to pray with you. I want to come in agreement with you. No one's looking around, but I need to see now. I want to come in agreement with you. Put your hand up nice and high so I can see it. If that's you here today, say, Pastor, that's me. I want to know Jesus this way. That's me, Pastor Dino. I want to recommit my life to Christ today. All right. Okay. Let's pray this all together. So, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. And I believe that your word is true and that you're doing amazing things in my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Do you believe that here today, huh? 
Have you been stirred up to be a little bit more open in generosity, huh? And how generous is more for you than it is for anything else, okay?